I grew up mowing lawns and, and shoveling driveways and doing home service related things that I didn't uh, recognize was truly a career that I could go down. It was just the thing I did to like put gas in my car when I was in high school. Um, did the college thing, finance, accounting, econ stuff, and, and just generally like business nerdery type of stuff. Got into the corporate world for a decade and, and it was just like, I got to get out of here. Um, it's, it's eating my soul. And uh, I happened to have a relationship with Michael Dalkey. Some probably know his name. He was my financial advisor for a while and he had bought a small window cleaning business in Minneapolis and then bought some more and then bought some more. And, and through that process, I got engaged with him and kind of said like, this is super cool. Uh, I got to stay at my corporate job uh, because my wife was going to grad school full time and, and I got to pay these bills, but uh, keep me posted. And at the point in time where it might make sense for me to leave that, it might make sense for you to hire me and then uh, we can do fun stuff together. So. Welcome to the Home Service Business Coach Podcast with your host, David Mowerman. You will learn to grow your home service business and transition from being the technician in your business to being the CEO and leading your team to success. Get a front row seat where you will get practical advice from industry experts on how you can level up your home service business. Get ready to take some notes because we're going to jump right into it here. What is going on everybody? Dave Mormon here, home service business coach. I have a very special guest on the recording for you, uh, Mr. Dan Plata. How are we doing today, uh, Mr. Dan? Doing good, Dave. How are you doing? I'm good, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad we got our uh, Zoom link sorted here and we're ready to, uh, to rip and rock it out here with a good chat. Um, guys, I'm going to get Dan to intro himself. Um, so you guys know who he is. For those of you in the cleaning niche, you've probably seen uh, him around. I actually was able to shake Dan's hand a couple years ago at Responsicon prior to the pandemic and been keeping an eye on what he's doing. And what I like to do is align myself with people who are best in class. And Dan is a rock star when it comes to bookkeeping. So Dan, tell us uh, kind of who you are and, uh, and kind of what, what you do, because I know you're juggling a, a few balls right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I actually, uh, I was in a coaching program and my coach had asked me to like develop my personal brand, right? And so I was like, I need like a snappy brand. Um, and so I was like running by my wife and we were out jogging one day. I was like, the service CFO. Like I am the service CFO. It's got alliteration. Uh, it's short and sweet. So that, that's my brand. I am the service CFO. Uh, and I got here through just like the, as many of us do the weirdest way possible. Uh, you know, I grew up mowing lawns and, and shoveling driveways and doing home service related things that I didn't, uh, recognize was truly a career that I could go down. It was just the thing I did to like put gas in my car when I was in high school. Um, did the college thing, finance, accounting, econ stuff, and, and just generally like business nerdery type of stuff. Got into the corporate world for a decade and, and it was just like, I gotta get out of here. Um, it's, it's eating my soul. And uh, I happened to have a relationship with Michael Dalkey. Some probably know his name. He was my financial advisor for a while and he had bought a small window cleaning business in Minneapolis and then bought some more and then bought some more. And, and through that process, I got engaged with him and kind of said like, this is super cool. Uh, 
I got to stay at my corporate job uh, because my wife was going to grad school full time and, and I got to pay these bills, but uh, keep me posted. And at the point in time where it might make sense for me to leave that, it might make sense for you to hire me and then uh, we can do fun stuff together. So Blue Skies kept growing and buying more businesses and we had window cleaning and power washing and, and maid service business. And then we had five of them in different locations across the US. And at the time I was like moonlighting for Blue Skies doing bookkeeping and just helping with acquisitions and thinking through the financial frameworks that we needed to measure these businesses and see how they were doing uh and to you know to go buy another business if we wanted to add to our portfolio and then Dalkey said hey why don't you come on full time and just run these businesses and i'm gonna go and do some other investing stuff so we had a transition back in 2016 and i came on board full time um and he started working on his other investments and we ran we still run maid service businesses, window cleaning businesses, pressure washing businesses. We still have all of those businesses. But a few years ago, we realized we built this back office company known as Blue Skies Admin Services, but we only did the things for ourselves. Um, and, and I know you had Sean on the show. Sean's our recruiting director. He was on your show a few weeks ago. And I, our first like foray into helping other business owners was a buddy of ours that literally was like, hey, you guys must hire a lot of people. We're like, oh yeah, like maid service businesses, you know, we're hiring a whole lot of people. Um, he's like, well, can you hire one for us? So we thought about it and we're like, we can't, we didn't know a reason why we couldn't. We just hadn't thought about it. And then the question came up of like, what do we owe you? And the best we came up with was a case of beer. Like we just didn't, we weren't sure what the value of the thing was. Um, but we, we sought out to say like, what else could we do for people? that we've already built the systems and processes internally to do it for ourselves. And yeah. so recruiting obviously is a big one. Everybody needs employees, especially right now. Bookkeeping is a super nerdy one, but that's what I'm passionate about. And so we can do that for any small business across the country. And then marketing is the other one. And I'm not as like passionate about that one because I feel like there's a lot of digital marketing companies out there, but it's definitely something we can help the home service industry with as we like build that skill set out. So, um, Three years ago, we started going down this path, and now we've got a couple hundred recruiting clients, a couple hundred bookkeeping clients, all in the home wow. service space, um, and and we're growing like wildfire. And it's not a, I, I joke with Sean, our best sales approach. Like Sean and I are the ones that do all the demo calls, and and we're not salespeople. Uh, I'm a bookkeeping nerd, and he's you know a small business owner that ran his own cleaning company for 20 years our best sales approach is customer service. <laughs> just yeah, just yeah. keep doing a good job and, and talk to people like Dave so we can, uh, you know, get the word out more. Yeah, man, that's a one heck of a great intro. Um, so I feel like you've got, you've got in your background, you've got the nerdy stuff ticked off. You went to school, you did a decade in corporate America. And then it sounds like you kind of hitched your wagon to someone like Michael Dalkey, very visionary, always doing a million different things. And you really got an eye for like, hey, these are the numbers, the bookkeeping you need to know in a home service business. And now you're kind of solving what I call is the three P's, which people screw up their, their profit, number one. So you're solving that with the bookkeeping and the numbers. Mm -hmm. Two is projects with you guys' marketing arm. How do we get more leads? How do we sell jobs? And then the last one's people, which Sean's really taking care of, which how do we get a team of rock stars and create like a high performance culture within our company? So that is amazing. What I want to hear from you, man, is 
I want to hear all things kind of bookkeeping. And for those listening, you know, you might think, oh, this is a, all about bookkeeping. Well, bookkeeping and, and knowing your numbers is a very important, essential part of your business. So I kind of want to hear, Dan, you mentioned Blue Skies uh, admin services. You, you guys run the recruiting. Sean takes care of that. And you run the bookkeeping. What kind of made you get the start into like, hey, we sold the case of beer to this guy and, and helped him out. But what, what kind of pushed you? Was it just that moment that pushed you into seeing this need? Or had you kind of seen that need developing as, as you grew Blue Skies as well? You know, the, it was one of those things where like the doors just keep opening wider and you're like, oh, cool. There's like a few more people that need this. Oh, no, there's a few oh, like oh shit, there's a whole hell of a lot of people that don't even have bookkeeping and, and don't know the point of it or don't have a recruiting system because you never used to need one. You used to just know enough people that wanted to, to work for your company. And now it's like, you know, trying to find a damn needle in the haystack. So I think the, the farther we get down this path, the more good we realize we can do for people. Um, and so it's super exciting because every time we like turn around, there's more people like, oh my God, like I haven't, I have a franchise company and we haven't figured out how to solve this problem for our, yeah. all of our franchises or we have this problem and you know, whatever the yeah. case is. So it just, it keeps getting exponentially more powerful, which is a whole lot of fun. The, at the start of it, it was really just the relationships that we already had. Delk, he was out doing a lot of his investments. Every time he would do one, he'd be like, man, I, I would love to invest in this company, except I can't tell if they're making money or not because their books are so jacked up, right? Yeah. So every yeah. time he was he saw something, he's like, dude, we just like, we got to solve this problem for people. Um, yeah. And uh, it happened to be at the right time as all of our businesses, we had leadership teams in place, we had the structure in place. So they don't need me on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I was probably, you know, you know, as an entrepreneur, as you start to scale and you can't get out of the weeds, and you're driving everybody nuts. Like that was probably me. And so it was a good chance for me to like let my operators run their businesses mm -hmm. and I can focus on getting the bookkeeping off the ground and Sean can focus on getting the recruiting off the ground. So the timing worked out well for us to, to dive in and scale it. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, that, that, that's really cool to hear. I guess I, you touched on something. I'll throw one at you. If for someone listening to this, what's the benefit Dan of, of a, pressure washing business owner or any home service business for that matter having clean books can you rattle off a reason or two of like hey because we avoid this right we hate mm -hmm. it it sucks it's boring it's nerdy but what's the benefit of like company a your your books are an absolute disaster but company b your books are in very clean order what what would be the benefit to an owner so the you and i talked a little bit about this before we jumped on um but I see a lot of times people, people like get into business and they say, I'm not a math person. Um, and right away I'm like, that's super dangerous. And not that you need to be like a, an actuarial, you know, insurance expert, but if you're playing a game of business, you literally are playing a math game. It's purely a numbers game and making the right decision. So decision-making when you're, when you're small and first starting out, like your bank account and your gut are sufficient to make decisions. Up until the point you're making like a hundred thousand in revenue, and then you have to start thinking about hiring people and what equipment to buy and what to market and which one should you do first. And all of a sudden, these financial decisions start to get pretty big, and bookkeeping gets really powerful. Um, what happens though is bookkeeping tends to get assimilated with taxes, and people think it's a tax activity. And and 
they couldn't be farther from the truth. Now, your CPA that does your taxes will love you if you have good bookkeeping and you don't show up with bank statements and a pile of receipts, but your CPA can do your taxes with bank statements and a pile of receipts. So bookkeeping is not something for your CPA. And it's also, and I think in a weird lens, like I, I, will, I will be the first one to say bookkeeping, you, like you don't need to do it. Uh, your customers don't care about it and your employees don't care about it. And those are the only two people that you're really in business for. So you don't need to do bookkeeping. Now, uh, alternatively, the, the only person that benefits from bookkeeping is really you. Your CPA gets, like I said, gets some benefit because they don't get a stack of receipts and bank statements at the end of the year. But bookkeeping is done purely for the business owner to have streamlined data, consistent data, organized data, timely data and make good decisions with. And if you make good decisions, that's the thing that makes you more money. When you make more money, you get to go do more cool stuff and do good stuff for good people. So bookkeeping tends to get confused with an accounting activity to do taxes. Bookkeeping needs to be thought of as a finance activity for you as a business owner to make sure that the activities that you're doing and the decisions that you're making are making you the most money possible so that you can continue to grow the business, get out of the field, gain freedom, you know, do cool stuff with your family and your friends and not be, you know, imprisoned by your own business. That's the, that's the point of bookkeeping. That's amazing answer, man. Cause I think to the accounting, you can get your financial statements, your profit and loss from your accountant. A lot of times those will lag by 30, 60, 90 days. How right. do you ever make decisions based on like, Oh, I know the numbers in my business, what they were 60 days ago. I think this bookkeeping help with that too. People can see like in real time, how we're doing, okay, we're, we got this much coming in, this is in the bank, we can go invest in this piece of equipment or this vehicle or hire this person. Yep, well, to that point, I think because bookkeeping tends to be confused with an accounting CPA activity, um, and a lot of people have their CPA do their books, but they do it because they're doing it for tax reasons, A, there's no sense of urgency because it's not for the business owner, it's for the CPA, so it's usually, a month, two months, three months behind. So like you said, Dave, it's not, it's not even relevant by the time you get it. The decisions you're making, like that information isn't as useful as uh, current information. So when we do bookkeeping, we do it every single week because we want, like, we want you to have the most relevant information possible to make decisions with. Um, I also find that in the accounting world in general, um, and this may be a shock, I don't know, but, but accountants are usually not the best communicators. And you're usually, especially in the springtime, you're maybe chasing them around all over the place, um, which I get, like they have a massive workload that lands right in the spring. Um, but uh, if you have a good bookkeeper, they're like touching base with you every single week. They're, they're like your mini CFO. They're the pulse of your business of where you're winning and where you're losing. Um, and so bookkeeping is, a, is like a speedy, consistent, like on the ball, all the time activity. Um, I will say, and, and we, we talked about this a little earlier, is it's generally not something that you as the business owner couldn't do. You know, classifying expenses and transactions in QuickBooks, 99% of the transactions that you do, you can probably handle. Now, like if you didn't go to school for accounting and you trade in a vehicle and you got debits and credits and balance sheet stuff, probably not the sexiest thing you're going to spend your time on, but you could go figure it out. Like you're, if you're running your own business, you're not an idiot. Uh, yeah. And so you could probably figure it out but it just kind of goes back to, is it the highest and best use of your time to do your own bookkeeping? Um, or is it better to delegate it to somebody that'll do it faster and smoother and better? 
Yeah, man. I was going to say you're as service CFO, you're, you're a bit of a purple unicorn that you've got all the finance knowledge, but you've also learned communication and people skills along the way. So it, it's very interesting. I've talked to a number of accountants and that you're right. They, it, it's almost like the teacher who's really good at math in, you know, when I, uh, the class I hated in high school was grade 12 math. I had a really great person who, who knew how to do math, but couldn't really dumb it down and teach it to a 17 year old Dave in the second row. So yep. the fact that you know it, but you can teach it and communicate that is a, is a fantastic skill set that you have. We are uh, in our business. We, we kind of realized that at the get go, like we, we have a CPA obviously to do our taxes. It's not me. At some point we'll do that for our clients. So we're, we're like grooming somebody to be able to do that. But it's such a different skill set to like be totally tax nerded out. It's not a business activity. It's a tax activity. Like it's an after the fact thing. It doesn't help you run your business. It's just an activity to pay the least amount of, to the government as possible at the end of the yeah. year. Um, but we, a lot of those CPAs will out, if they do bookkeeping, they like outsource it to the Philippines or India or, you know, wherever for cheap labor. We tried that when we first started. Cause we're like, how are we going to scale this thing? Let's try using some overseas labor to just get like, for the redundant tasks, right? Seemed like a great idea at the time. Cost effective, that'll help us keep our costs down. Man, there's like, it's like getting on the phone with customer service support overseas, right? The, like yeah. the, the communication barriers and the time barriers and the level of understanding. And we basically, we, we tried it for a few months and then we said, nope, we're gonna be American made bookkeeping. Cause yeah. I didn't like having to deal with that and, and try to jump on calls at weird hours and try to explain to them what was going on and, and fix the errors of just interpretation stuff. Um, so we basically said like, we're going to be American made bookkeeping and our bookkeepers are going to talk to our clients every single week. Even awesome. if we don't have a question, they're going to text our client and say, Hey Jim, you know, your books are done for the week. Have a great rest of your week. Yeah. And just that like constant communication. So it just feels like we're sitting in the office alongside of somebody and that we're their resource, we're their employee to help yeah. them make their financial decisions. Um, change, change the accounting paradigm a little bit, if you will. Well, yeah, man, two points to that. Like, I think you go on Fiverr to, uh, do maybe social media graphics, you know, maybe some email data mining, like very, I think basic tasks that you don't need a high level of communication, but if you want, these are high level things, right? Getting your books taken care of communication is, is huge. And secondly, uh, for us in our coaching program, what we use, we use Slack. And so we have this mm -hmm. communication tool where you yeah, haven't talked to somebody in, in three, four days. Hey, just checking in. How are things going? Like, it's a great way to touch someone uh, in communication and, and, you know, still have it a little bit scalable too. You can do kind of a one-to-many approach, which is, which is pretty amazing what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Communication rules the nation. Yeah. So talk to me, Dan. I, we got a little bit more time. Um, most people who listen to this are on a mission to scale up their business. I find people kind of have two goals. One is like, let's get to 50K a month as quick as we can or get to 100K a month and, and mm -hmm. beyond. So those are the people listening. So debunk the myth for me. Should these people be doing their own bookkeeping or do you think they should just go and hire a firm and get it taken care of? What, what would, because you've got an eye of someone who's already, you know, CEO of a larger cleaning company and you're also helping people. So how kind of give some guidance in your opinion, should they DIY it or should they just go with somebody? You know, I, uh, literally right now I have in my email inbox, somebody that has been DIYing it and I've talked to her for 
a couple of years about this. And, and I, she actually had me look over her books to make sure that she was doing it right. And I was like, you know what? You're perfect. If you like doing this and you're doing it right, DIY it. Like, like if you like building a fence around your house and that's where you get some like joy and peace from, I mean, like life is short, do stuff that you like to do. So if doing your own accounting is something that you truly are passionate about and like doing for sure, do it. Like it's your business. The point of having a business is for freedom and to spend time doing what you like. So take advantage of that. There's not many people in the world. Everybody else has a job, right? And they don't get to do the shit that they like to do. We do. So do the things you like to do. So if you like to do your own bookkeeping and you're good at it and you understand it, by all means, do it. At some point, even like, and so she just emailed me and was like, hey, you know, I'm starting to fall behind. No matter how much I like this stuff, my business is getting too big. And I don't have time to go into QuickBooks every single week and like keep up on this stuff. And now it's stressing me out that I'm behind on it and that sucks. So she just said, you know, let's fire it up. So at some point, even if you like it, it's not going to be the highest and best use of your time. And so it's just, it's trying to get the apex of that. Where do you get the most joy? What's the best use of your time and what brings the most value to your company? So if, if you doing your bookkeeping right now is putting you in that sweet spot, keep doing it. If you, if you heard that and you're like, well, I hate bookkeeping and I've got a whole bunch of customers and employees that need me. And instead I'm spending time and my, my family needs me. And instead at night, I'm like on my QuickBooks stressing out about this thing, then like delegate it obviously, cause it's not at all the highest and best use and, and not your favorite thing to do. Well, another question, like maybe I can help answer this for you too. If you, if we talk to a hundred owners of pressure washing businesses, how many do you think will actually have like a deep love for the bookkeeping and accounting? Maybe three. One. I, oh, one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's, it, it, you know, and the other question I'd say too is what revenue point do you think the person starts getting too busy? Like probably around what a hundred grand or so they're like, okay, I've kind of done it. I'm moving out of this like bills window cleaning. And I have now, a crew or two and I've got, you know, 800 clients in my CRM. Like, is that kind of a point you see of a tipping point of like, I got to make the jump? Yeah. Yeah. I think up until about a hundred thousand, you can run your business pretty damn well with your gut and your bank account and you'll, you'll see what's going on. Um, the point where you start hiring employees, you know, like making bigger marketing spends and, and making bigger equipment spends is where bookkeeping starts to add enough value to you as a business owner that it's worth starting out. Um, we So our, our base price for all of our bookkeeping clients is 150 a month. So it's not like it's a debilitating expense. It's pretty damn cost effective to take that, to like give you the financial information to scale your business. I, I've, I've taken over books for a person that was doing a million dollars of revenue and hadn't started doing bookkeeping yet. So there's a point of chaos and you'll know when you get there where, where you say to yourself, well, I just have no effing idea what's going on in my business anymore. Like, yeah. and I'm making these decisions, but I'm not sure that they're accurate. Like they feel right, but I'm just using my gut. I'm not using my numbers. Um, and if you're there, then, then, then it's time to get the book straight. What I want to niche down on that a little further. What feelings would a person not to get too touchy feely, but what feelings would an owner have? What are they, what kind of comments or quotes would they be experiencing where, it would be time to get bookkeeping in, in, in order, or maybe they're DIYing and doing it wrong. But what, what's like a quote or two they'd be saying, I have no idea what's going on. What, what else? Yeah. It's uh flying by the seat of my pants. 
super anxious, um, uncertain, like financially uncertain. Uh, and I feel like we're making a lot of money, but our bank account isn't going up. Yeah. Um, and so it's usually, it's, it's like I'm making decisions without feeling like I have good information. I feel like we're making, we're doing a lot of things, but our bank account isn't going up and that's scary. Um, or it's just like a total lack of certainty when you go to make a decision like that, that you have the anxiety of, I don't know. And I feel like I should know. Yeah. I, lo I love this, man. Do you find most cleaning businesses think they're making more money than they are? It would, would Always. you say that? Always. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's also the, the paradigm shift of when you're small and you're super profitable because you're earning yourself a wage, right? When you're the one out on the truck and doing the cleaning, it looks like your business is super profitable, but it's not like you're just, it's just making you a wage. Now, uh, one of the, I don't want to say it's funny, but it happens. It's, it's, it's funny in that it happens to every single business ever is the minute you get off the truck you make like half as much money um, because you have to pay somebody else to do the job that you were paying yourself for. And you got confused thinking that it was profit and not a wage because you weren't taking it through payroll. And then you go hire two people and put them on a truck and you make about half as much money. And until you get like the second truck or the third truck, you're, you're going to tend to be in purgatory of working way harder, being annoyed with the, the guy that does a shittier job and you know and then breaks this and leaves that out there and then quits and then you got to find another replacement um and so it's usually in that point where bookkeeping comes in handy because it kind of keeps you uh, aggressive yeah. on scaling through that point but that can be so that period of purgatory in our businesses when we scale can just be so like emotionally draining and detrimental because if you don't know that you're going to make less money naturally you're going to think I'm going to grow my business and I'm going to scale and I'm going to make more money and it's going to be so super sexy and awesome. And then the first thing that happens is you start working harder. You start dealing with other people's problems, which is stressful if you've never led a team and you're making half as much money. Uh, a, a lesser fellow or two might back out, right? And be like, I'm going back on the truck. And it happens all the time. But if you know that you're supposed to make half as much money, then you just say like, Hey, coach Dave, what do I got to do to get through this time period as fast as possible so I can get to that 50,000 to 100,000 a month and like be making more money than I was when it was just me on the truck. Um, and that in-betweener period can suck. It, it's tough, man. We, we I always tell everybody don't get stuck at, you know, at, don't get stuck at 300K per year is mm -hmm. what, what we say. And in my journey, we went from 155, which was still me with like a helper, and we mm -hmm. went actually to 582 in like one season. And that was yeah. even quicker than I thought. But it got to a point where, wow, we have some breathing room. We can now have a couple crews. We can have someone in the office. So you kind of mm -hmm. don't want to sit in that, in that middle ground for like more than a season. because Yeah, you, won't, you don't make any money there. No, you don't. And a lot of people will retrench and say, you know mm -hmm. what, I'm going to do 145 per year. I'm going to be on the truck and I'm going to make money. And I, I love your touching on the bookkeeping because a lot of people will do, you know, a $500 job and they'll have a 70% gross profit margin on that. And they'll say, Hey, you know, this is all my money, but it's like, we still have all of our back end overhead costs. We need to be aware of which yeah. a great bookkeeping company like yours would, would do. And man, for, I was just thinking for 150 bucks a month, you're going to be saving an owner, how many hours a month at least i would guess four but probably even more than that um 
Yeah, I mean, I think like from a time spend, part of it is the time spent of just like doing your own bookkeeping. The other part of the time spent is thinking through decisions. And if you have good, clear, concise data, the the speed to make a decision is so much faster. Like the confidence and the speed and not having to, to question it. I think that's, if anything, that's where the time savings comes from and just the not having to worry about it. Um, you just see it and you're like, okay, this is high, that's low, you know, okay. Move, here's the decision. Let's move it forward. Um, so the the speed at which you can scale, if you can make decisions confidently, I think is the other piece of the time calculation. Can you talk to like as well? You know, bookkeeping is for for the owner. You've mentioned that, which is a great point. How about bookkeeping being done in the event that you sell your business in two years, three years, five years? Can you touch on like what a seller would even be looking for? I'd imagine they'd want to see like pretty clean books and and not have like you know we call it two sets of books but having one clean set of books can you mm -hmm. touch on that from a sale perspective too how there could be benefit there yeah i mean we've bought and sold handfuls of businesses within blue skies um and the number one success criteria for it in either case was the bookkeeping if if the people we were buying had good books, we could pay them more because we could trust it. If they had shitty books, there were, there were cases where we were just like, we just can't even pay you for that. There's no, you don't have a way to prove that it happened, right? If, you, if you're accepting cash out in the field, you're, that is worth $0 to a buyer. Um, so you save a little bit on taxes, but you give up so much in the long run um, and you just can't scale that either because you don't want Billy out there collecting 300 bucks of cash on the side. Um, that's a whole nother issue, but yeah, I, th I think when you're buying and selling businesses, the value of the transaction is only as good as the data and you don't want to spend a lot of time rehashing data and justifying data. If it's organized and done right, the data, you know, the math is the path as Josh Latimer would say, like, it's already telling the story. Um, and so you just, you skip right past that part and then get to it, like where the, the two parties in the transaction can add the value and what it's worth. Um, we, we have passed up multiple businesses that didn't have books and we have paid a premium for businesses that did and vice versa. We've been paid more because we have awesome books and it just makes it so easy for us to sell something if we want to sell it because there's no, there's no hidden data. It's just, it's as clear as it can possibly get. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic, man. So we're running a little low on time. I do want to pull out of the bookkeeping uh, world and actually ask you more at large because I, I know you're good at seeing trends and been in the industry a long time. Where do you honestly see the future of, of the cleaning industry going in say the next three years or five years? Do you see any big trends changing? I know everybody, myself included, struggles with recruiting top talent. Um, that That's always kind of one thing to touch on. but. Do you see any trends brewing in the next few years you could kind of like look in your crystal ball and, and tell uh, the listeners here? Yeah, I, so overall, I'm like super bullish on the cleaning industry um, and just home services in general. Home, homeowners are only gonna outsource more. And like the, the generation that's a little younger than you and I is just like starting to buy houses too. And they're, they're all about outsourcing and like paying for the experience, right? Um, when, when I grew up, we didn't have a cleaner. 
right? And now my wife and I have a cleaner and my kids aren't going to know what life is like without having a cleaner. And so when they buy a house, like they're just going to have a freaking cleaner because that's what, that's just what you're going to do. It's not a luxury anymore. Um, it's not for the elite anymore. So I'm super bullish on running the cleaning company because every homeowner is going to be outsourcing everything more and more and more and more. Um, what I see from like a, a what the operator is going to look like, I think there's a trajectory away from franchises. Like people just don't have a great feeling about being in a franchise as much as they used to. Franchises used to be all the rage. And in the home service space specifically, it seems like the operator doesn't really want to be in a franchise. And, and the consumer in a lot of cases doesn't want to use a franchise. Um, but there's definitely going to be like a conglomeration of bigger players. I mean, you kind of see uh, like Pat Clark with his Precision Pro Wash. He's, he's got like a licensee deal. Jim Dubois has a licensee deal. Um, Mike Dulkey and I bought a bunch of businesses and put them under blue skies, but they're not a franchise, right? So I think there's going to be some consolidation. Um, and at the same time, as you get like some bigger companies in multiple locations, like a lot of people want to do that thing. Um, because it's so hard to recruit employees, there's going to be more new starts, right? If you just look at like the new entrance and pressure washing, it's freaking bonkers how many new companies pop up literally every single day. So there's a whole bunch of new entrants. And I, and I think part of that is lends a little bit to why recruiting is so hard right now is that if there's a good guy out there, he's just going to go start it himself um, and, and do the same thing. So it's going to be this like goofy fragmentation where there's some consolidation of like bigger players that want to be part of a bigger thing. And there's going to be a whole bunch of new entrants at the bottom. I think there's plenty of pie to go around though. Like I said, from a demand side of it, it's like there's, there's not even enough capacity right now with all the new entrants and all the people in this industry to serve all the demand that's out there because yeah. especially on the residential side, homeowners are just scooping up anybody that they can get to come out and do work. It, at some point we got to have a recession. I mean, I think like we're already in the makings for it with everything yeah. that all the, all the freebie goofy money that's going around. Like it's, it's, it's the start of a bubble at, at least. Um, yeah. And so it's only a matter of time before we get a recession and that's going to cause some of those new entrants to probably bail out or sell or whatever the case is. Um, but I think the overall trajectory is there where the demand's not going to go away. It might take a blip during a recession, but, but just in the next 30 years, people are going to keep outsourcing more and more and more stuff. And there's going to be a whole bunch of new entrants and a whole bunch of consolidation of bigger companies that are just trying to like get to that multi non-franchised multi-location type of setup yeah that's fantastic man it's a it's great to hear and i i tell the the people i work with like i really truly believe we are sitting on a gold mine here with the the demand going up absolutely uh and i also think as you know i was reading an article I, i'm up here in canada by the year 2028 we're gonna have 700,000 skilled trades workers retire uh, mm -hmm. from the industry and that is like I was telling my my one guy I'm working with I'm like man you're sitting on a massive opportunity here if you can figure out how to get a few more team members and take care of them um, I, I think we're in this weird zone of the next 10 to 20 years where we don't have enough AI and drones and robots to do the things that humans still need to do and mm -hmm. I think those people who end up being our technicians, it'll be a fantastic job where you could make really good money. And that's going to just mean if we want access to great trades and great services and we want to have our cleaners and everything, the rates are just going to be 
charge that, you know, some people, some people bill out their cleaning right now at $60 an hour. I think that's going to double and triple. Uh, and that $60 an hour is almost what a technician could make in, in some higher end affluent markets. It's just pretty dizzying to wrap your head around. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I don't like, especially with, with interior cleaning, I think it's going to be a while before that gets, uh, robotized if you will that's probably not a word but i'm fine making (laughs) stuff up but but i feel like you know like lawn care is starting to get to be commoditized and and robotic lawnmowers and i think like certain elements of pressure washing might get there um window cleaning might be tricky because you got to dismantle stuff home cleaning i mean picking up knickknacks and uh moving things around and cleaning like personal spaces is still something that's going to be very human for a very long period of time so i'm still I'm betting big on it. And I mean, like we don't need to keep our home cleaning businesses, right? They're not the sexiest businesses in the world, but the demand's not going anywhere. And uh, like you and I had talked about this earlier, like it helps us be on the same level as our clients when they know that we're recruiting employees for them, but we also recruit hundreds ourselves every year. We're doing bookkeeping for them, but we also do bookkeeping for our five own businesses and we do it the exact same way and we know how it works. Um, I like whatever, any way I can be, working on a business that's either helping home service businesses or running a home service business that's helping the end client. I'm in. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, I'm going to let you wrap up here, Dan. I really appreciate uh, all the time that you've given and the gold nuggets you've dropped on the listeners. Um, We're going to be circulating this up on YouTube, on the podcast, in our Facebook group, and anywhere else that cleaners or home service business owners can find it. So appreciate all the insights. I'm going to let you wrap up with what would be the next step if someone kind of heard this interview, this podcast and want to take the next step with blue skies? Uh, I'll link it up in the show notes, but just for those listening in their car, driving to their million stops today, what's the best next step to touch base with you guys? Three places you got to go. One is go to our website, yourblueskies.com. We have a whole bunch of free resources there, whether it's recruiting stuff or bookkeeping stuff. I like, I give people my chart of accounts for free, exactly how to organize everything. Just go get it. It's free. I did it for you. There's a target budget up there too, for every home service business. I shouldn't say everyone for like nine of the most prevalent home service industries of exactly how much to spend on each different thing in that chart of accounts and super, super usable target budget spreadsheet for free. Like I built it for you. Just go get it. Um, Our Facebook groups, Blue Collar Recruiting on the recruiting side, Bookkeeping Beer and BS on the bookkeeping side. Um, go check those out because we're always throwing content out there uh, for free. And then we have a YouTube channel, the Bookkeeping Beer and BS YouTube channel, which is basically three to five minute clips uh, like for the person that can't hang in and drink beer for two hours while we're doing a live show. Um, the Bookkeeping Bites, if you will. So go check us out and uh, get, get as much free stuff from us as you can because that's what it's all about. We're all about helping helping everybody out. It's amazing, man. So you guys heard it. Website, Facebook, YouTube. Go connect with these guys. Uh, been been a pleasure having Sean on and also a pleasure having you on, Dan. So we'll get this up in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I know you got another meeting to run to, more people to help. So I'll, uh, I'll turn off the recording here, Dan, and uh, really appreciate your time today, man. You bet. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. 
All right, you guys, so just got to take a super quick pause and just give it up to our two show sponsors here. Uh, our first one is Jobber. Uh, Jobber is our CRM that we use to basically run our entire back end of my house washing business, Revive Washing. Everything from sending quotes to scheduling to sending invoices, even collecting payments. Jobber helps take care of it all. And quite frankly, I wouldn't want to run a business without having Jobber on my side. So I've linked up for you guys in the show notes. You can check it out. Free trial and 20% off for not just one month, but 20% off for half a year. So you can check that out. And our second show sponsor is Nice Job. Uh, nice Job helps power all of our five-star Google reviews. Uh, you guys know who know me. I do not like friction in my life. And so I like things to be super easy, have a system and be seamless. And nice job is basically your megaphone telling the entire world how awesome your services are. So I've linked up a free trial uh, for that as well for you uh, in the show description. So you can check out nice job uh, as well. Now back to the show. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you want to get even more value from David, then book your free coaching call at homeservicebusinesscoach.com.